This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. This is the Aftershock Central Podcast with me and Jack. Who am I? I don't know. It doesn't matter. And tonight, we have two special guests because Ronnie decided Jack and I are not important enough right. to discuss comics with. Now, but is special stretching it a little bit? I mean, depends I think how you so, define yeah. special. <laughs> special as in short bus kind of special? <laughs> oh, I thought about going there, but I decided. <laughs> I'm no. on board with that. I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, there are no fine. rules to this podcast. Gentlemen, introduce yourselves. Oh, this is Black Eyed Jack from Charlotte, North Carolina. Is that right? Yeah, Black Eyed Jack. <laughs> you should know by now. <laughs> Who's going and no next? Nick, and no nickname here, but it's Dennis C, or you can call me DC. Okay, okay. There was no D, no DC rule. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> Who else is here? Jay Loving, and I. I can't think of one nickname that's repeatable on this podcast right now. So. <laughs> Well, Jay Living from Coppell, Texas, actually. Jack knows uh, my new nickname. It's Ferret yeah. Tim. Yeah. It's what? <laughs> Ferret Tim. Ferret Tim. Now you got to explain that now that you threw it out there. I don't even remember the whole story, dude. I think I was drinking when this came up. But Paul and I were doing a podcast, and somehow it came up about my email. Um, I think it was my email. Something. I don't know. Whatever. So my last name is Ferretti. And for a while, my email address was Ferretti M, because M is my first initial. And he, he said something about Ferret Tim. And so <laughs> Jack caught on, and he's been talking about Ferret Tim all day. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a great If name. my name naturally spelled Ferret whatever, I'd totally run with it. <laughs> <laughs> from now on, you're Ferret Tim. <laughs> No, I think it was funny on the podcast because you were like, man, I don't want to be Ferret Tim. <laughs> Dude, I, I, when we're done with that podcast, I don't even know what we talked about. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Uh, anyways, we're here to talk about Aftershock Comics. This is technically our fourth episode, but our third episode <laughs> was lost, so we'll call this our third episode. I know, it's I know. The secret files is... Stashed away. Yep. Well, the day blows up, release the, the Black Eyed Kids got a recording of a third episode, so <laughs> we we couldn't release it. It's fine. Cause tonight we're talking about the Dreaming Eagles, which uh, was definitely not in my wheelhouse. What about you guys? Well, I don't. Not not a typical book for me, no. But. Uh, I, you know, I've always been a student of history and loved historical stories, so you know it interested me from that. But it's yeah, it's not a it's not a typical book that I would pick up. Well, for me, you know, and I'm gonna have to like suppress some stuff because it just appealed at this time in my life for a lot of stuff. I'm a I'm an aviation. I love aviation, so there was that aspect. World War II, I love that stuff. And Garth Ennis, I was introduced to him in the 90s with Preacher. Mm-hmm. And I've read a lot of his stuff since. And for most of it, I've liked. So it just 
hit all my marks for me. So awesome! Right in your wheelhouse. Yes, um, and but but it also has to hit that that time when you're ready for it. I remember when I first got into comics, I went to my LCS at the time when I was in college, and I asked, you know, what should I be reading? And they said Sandman, and I'm like, eh, <laughs> eh, you know, I'm not ready for that. And now, man, I would totally dig Sandman. I've read some of it and everything, but I just wasn't ready for it at the time. And I, you know, Dreaming Eagles seems like it's one of those books that's like, you got to be in that right place for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I, I am not a history buff or an aviation guy. Um, and my thing is zombies and sci-fi and horror. So uh, this is the complete opposite. This is like reading right. nonfiction, right? Um, I, I, I would try to look up the, the main character, see if he was like based on an actual person. Um, I couldn't find anything. But, uh, you know, like the 99 Fighter Squadron, that's a real thing. Like Tuskegee Airman, that's a real thing. Um, the 302, the 301, like those were all real squadrons in World War II. And the missions these guys go through were all real missions. Um, so um, my assumption is, I think Garth Ennis is a big history buff, just like UJ. And he really just enjoys writing these kind of stories, right? So yeah. it's, it's kind of fiction but it's based on true events. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do the research you did, but I I had sort of just made the assumption, yeah, the characters are probably fictional, but that it was the story was informed by a lot of historical uh, facts. So, yeah. Yeah, I sort, did, of the, I, sort of the opposite of Rough Riders. Yes, <laughs> complete opposite. <laughs> we should have had Jay on it. I mean, if I knew he was a big a history buff, we should have had him on on that episode. Yeah, absolutely. Friders isn't absolutely true. Don't burst my bubble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did some I did some research previous to this, and it's like there was an there was an interview with Garth Ennis, and he says whenever he does any historical stuff, he uses fictional characters, and then brings in, you know, actual historical figures to kind of accentuate everything. Ah, cool. That makes sense. And and like the, the premise for this was he he was at a bar in New York on the east side, and he was wondering, why are all these pictures of World War II aircraft on the walls? And then he came to find out that one of the, the owner of the bar was a Tuskegee Airman, and okay. that's why everything was up there for that. And that kind of led into what all this was. Interesting. Hmm. Wow. But he always uses fictional main characters and brings real characters in as the, you know... You know, they they make appearances, but they don't contribute greatly to the story at hand. Sure, right, right, right. You know, no no dial, no word balloons, or as little as possible. That was one thing that kind of got to me. Um, I'm not used to so much heavy narration, uh, but it makes sense with the story, right? Because you have the father telling his son. His war stories. That's that's pretty much the, the setup of the book. Right. Um, that's how it starts and that's how it ends. Um, I guess we'll, well get to the ending shortly, but you know, it, it kind of makes it a little anticlimactic because of that. Well, would you call it a coming to age story? Yeah. Or genre? There, yeah, there's some. There's definitely some of that um, because it seems like when the book first starts, 
the relationship between the father and son isn't very good. And it's kind of because of this story that the father tells that they kind of uh, come to a place where they can understand each other better. You know, because that, that was kind of the, the, the set up, the crisis that was set up at the first issue was that the son goes to the Million Man March, um, or not the Million Man March, he goes to see uh, Martin Luther King um, in D.C. And while he's there, he gets beat up. And, you know, the father is very upset with him because of the way that he was raised and what he went through during the war. Um, and, you know, I guess the son has always seen the father was kind of a hard ass. And, I mean, he was a military guy, right? So I was not in a military family, but I know people that were in military families. And it seems like the dad was kind of a typical military dad. You know, and the kid's just kind of partially rebelling against that. Um, but because of his upbringing, he's got different notions of what the world needs to be. Hmm. Anyway. Right. Now, but you called it a, a war story. And, and I think this is one of the things I, that I had a problem with was that I couldn't really tell if it was a war story or if it was a civil rights story. Because I don't want to jump to the ending too soon, but. The first and the sixth and the last issue seemed like they were – it was all about civil rights issues. But then all the stuff in the middle was a war story. No, yeah, I think that's a good point. It, it's, it is a civil war story kind of wrapped around the war story um, yeah. because there's, there's some similarities between like what the dad was going through in uh, the Air Force with you know, all the ra- racial tension and the racial profiling – but yet they're fighting Nazis who are doing the same thing with the Jews and other groups, right? Um, so that was kind of uh, the antithesis there. Plus, you have the stuff with the son where he, you know, he's going to see Dr. King speak, and he's involved in the civil rights movement. Um, but uh, you know, like his dad was kind of like one of the original people doing this, right? Like because he had to fight through all those same things to try to gain recognition and be seen as an equal in the Air Force with other pilots, with white pilots. Right. So, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that's what I found so drawing about, you know, what I drew me into this story is that you got the, you know, you got the two times, you got the 40s and you got the 60s, you got the civil rights, but then you see, you know, you kind of think of the civil rights as being big in the '60s, but you know it, you know it's been happening since, oh, yeah. you know, Civil War Reconstruction. Sure, so this right. is this is what's going on in the '40s. Right. You know, civil rights, you know, movement just didn't start up in the '60s with Martin Luther King. Is, you know, you had these, you know, airmen back in, you know, the '40s and you know World War II that were, you know, doing the fight, and it's like having to, you know take on twice the load or deal with all the things they had to deal that nobody else had to deal with, but do it silently just because you knew if you said anything, they were going to use it against you. Right. Uh-huh. Right. And it was kind of calling the two eras together and just saying, Hey, this just didn't start in the sixties. This started way before then. And you know, the sixties, maybe, maybe that's the culmination of it, but you know, you're not been fighting this, you know, he's talking to the sun. It's like, you know, you haven't been fighting this, you know, your generation hasn't been doing this by yourself. We've been, 
doing it also, but here's how we did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but, but then again, it is civil rights, but it also reflects, you know, that generation, whether you're white or black, because, you know, that generation went to war and they came back home and it was like, okay, I'm just going to go back and do my job. This is something I did for however many years. And, you know, we accomplished what we wanted to and, Okay, now we're back to our regular life, and we're just going to carry on. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that's that's one thing Dan mentions, right? He's like, you know, we we African Americans have been fighting in wars since forever, right? Like there were black soldiers in the Civil War, uh, there were black soldiers in uh, what else? We said the American Indian War. Like there was another one that he mentioned. I can't remember. Uh, World War One for sure. World War, yeah, the Plains Wars, I think is what he. Meant. That, that's it. The Plains Wars. Um, but yet, like, you know, we go out and we fight for a country, and when we come back, nothing's changed, right? It, it's still, we still go back to being the same people we were before that. Um, whereas it seems like that kind of started to change with his, the 99th Squadron that he was in, uh-huh. where they started off being pretty much just, you know, they, they don't get really sent on real missions. Um, they have the worst planes. And then eventually, like, you know, they move up to this big squadron and they get the, the Mustang, the P-51s, um, and they're, they're actually flying real missions. Yeah. But, you know, none of that racial – none of the racial conflict when all that was going – when all that was happening seemed to me when I was reading it, I kept waiting for something big to happen uh, with other military officers or, or whatever, but – it seemed like nothing really that significant happened until the war was over and in issue six when they, you know, they're sitting at the train station and that's when, you know, the next big racial conflict happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And that kind of sets up why I like this series because I kind of like the, you know, if there's something memorable that happens that sticks with me and I think this will, you know, I'll remember this for like 10, 15 years, is that final, you know, that I can't remember, I don't have it in front of me, like the next to last page or the last page, right. where you, you finally see emotion from the father Yeah. and he holds his hand and, he's put his, and he puts his hands on his face and he makes the comment, and I can't remember the quote, but that while he was fighting the Nazis, he never had any fear and he only had fear when he was back in his own country. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and yeah, and 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 you know, and I guess that's a spoiler alert. <laughs> but you know, but but that's what made the series for me. I mean, it's almost like all five and a half or five and three quarters issues led up to explaining that one comment the father makes to his son about. Right. You know, I'm I'm fighting like Nazis, but I was never afraid. And the only time I was afraid, you know, only time I've ever been afraid is when I'm in my own country, and I have this prejudice against. Me. Hmm. Yeah. Well, see, yeah, it, and it, I thought that was a. I thought that scene was awesome. And I again, I love the first and six issues. It was the middle part that sort of. I don't know. I. I Two through five, I mean, I felt like I could have scrambled up the issues and read them in a different order, and I it still would have had the same experience. Nothing really stood out to me. I mean, you probably could have. They're they're told chronologically, um, right? But I don't think it would make any difference because it's more about like the the takeaway 
from whatever the main conflict of that issue is. Um, and generally, it's something relating to race relations uh, within the Air Force. Um, and I think issue one and six are probably the only two that don't really deal with that at all. Um, they're, they're very heavy on the relationship between the father and son. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think this could have been – because here's what I, I thought might have made it better for me is if instead of six issues, if this was just a four-issue miniseries – and we had one and six as they are, and then maybe two through five could have been shorter. Or do you disagree with that? See, that's for me, that's tough. Partially because I'm not a fan of heavy narration, right? Um, so part of me wants to say yes, because having less issues would mean less narration. But I feel like some of the stories that were told in there kind of show the progression of this group of people in how they begin to gain the recognition they deserve. And I I don't think... I mean, maybe you could have cut out one issue, but I think leaving one and six as, you know, the first and last issue and just doing, like, a two-issue in between, I think that would have not had enough of the backstory. I think it needed a slower burn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you gotta you gotta just sit there and just see how much they had to go through. You know, they had the worst planes, they got the worst missions, mm-hmm. and you just it's just you know it's just like the daily grind on you. It's like, you know, the first two. I mean, when did they get the P fifty ones? Issue five. Yeah. So you got so you got three issues. It's like worst planes, worst missions, yeah. and. We even do we do better than the other squadrons just like this, but we're still put down, you know. And you know, after all this time, we finally get one of the you know we get the best plane, the best Allied plane in the war. And look what we do with it. And then all of a sudden, war's over. Boom, and we're back to status quo. Mm-hmm. Which, by yeah. the way, I thought it was kind of funny that the best plane is the one that are like constantly crashing. <laughs> um, no. I. I I think they kind of explained that. Jay, you're like the history guy. What What do you think? Would you have liked to see the, the middle part of this be a little shorter? Uh, no, I don't feel that there was anything that was wasted. I mean, or any... I thought every bit of this story contributed to the overall narrative. And while I, I tend to agree with you in that I don't like a lot of heavy narration, in this particular book i think it was needed and it fits Mm -hmm. because it's you know reggie the dad and his son sitting on the front porch drinking beers and he's telling him the story so it it kind of fits in there i I, I don't i didn't feel like there was any point in the reading these where i thought okay let's 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 move on we need to go on i didn't i didn't get that impression sure it was all now, did you read it? Did you read it all at once, or did you read it? You know, read the first issue, had to wait a month because I got into this series after the first, after it had all been released. So I actually got all six issues and read them straight. I didn't read all of them straight. I think I read four, and then then I read the last couple. A so bit later, I read I read this in a very strange order. I read the last issue first. Huh. Ooh. Yeah, and then I read one and two. And then I reread the whole series back to back. 
Okay. It's not the right way to read it, Martin. Well, you know what? I'm a Is rebel. Right I'm a rebel. I do what I want. Well, just, just the you know this uh, you know promote the podcast. It's like I was actually listening to the first aftershock podcast. Halfway through it, it's like, hey, there's a you know there's a comic shop. I stopped there, picked up these six issues, and finished <laughs> the second half of the first podcast. There you go. Uh, well, see, the thing was, like, this is not, like, you know, I've said it, it's not in my wheelhouse, right? So, as much as I've enjoyed all the other output, I, this wasn't on the top of my list of something to read, right? right? Um, and, you know, after we were talking, we kind of decided that maybe this was the way to go, uh, partially because it is that, it's so different, and mm. it's not something any of us normally read. And so I figured, like, if I'm going to dive in, let me just kind of see where this might go. And it just so happened to be the day that the last issue came out, and so I just read that first. Yeah. You know? Well, I've been reading Garth Ennis's war stories for the past... Uh, I think he's been putting them out for like four years, five years now, mm -hmm. maybe. And I've enjoyed them all, so this was just like, oh, instead of going to Avatar, hey, he's doing this at Aftershock. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. And, and I I, I, I've seen those coming out from Avatar, and I thought about getting them. Um, and, you know, my, my good buddy Nick Wetmore, he, he's read War Stories before. Um, and he's been trying to convince me to buy them and read them. But, you know, I, I just – it wasn't my thing, and I didn't feel like it. But to be honest, after reading Dreaming Eagles, I kind of want to, you know. <laughs> um, but I will say this. As much as I love Garth Ennis, I think part of the reason I really enjoyed this book was the art. Uh, oh really? Yeah, I really, really dug the art. I know you guys are gonna disagree. That's fine, but I really dug it. Um, I, I've liked uh, Simon's art for a while. Um, I, I've mentioned this on other podcasts, but I'm like a big Stormwatch Authority guy, and uh, Simon did an arc of the Authority later on in the series, and I, I've enjoyed his work since then. So that's probably been I don't know six, seven years since that came out. Um, I, I really like it, and I especially like the the, the dogfight scenes, as short as they were. Um, yeah, that was another aspect I liked when he went into the technical terms about leading the uh, the enemy fighters and mm -hmm. using how to use wingmen and such. Yeah. I, so I, I thought this was I love the art also. I thought it was I thought it was beautiful, especially especially all the fighting scenes. But I loved it all except for one thing that I, 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 it seemed like all of the characters were drawn exactly the same way. And I know that's partially because they're all sort of the same age and, you know, they're going to have a similar haircut. Sure. Um, but I mean, everybody, but when like the noses are drawn the same, the mouths and the eyes, and I couldn't tell, it, it sort of made the character development hard for me while I was reading this because I didn't, he would say a name and I could never remember who that was. <laughs> I, I still don't. I mean, I know the, I know the, the, the father and the son. And other than that, I just, I couldn't really, I can't even really tell you now who anybody else is in the story by name, at least. Yeah. And I had the same issue. That was the thing. I couldn't, when you went to the flashbacks to world war two, I couldn't tell them different except between the father and fats because he had the mustache. Right. Other than yeah, that, that it's like pencil mustache. Yeah, the pencil yeah. mustache. Other than that, I was I was having a hard time telling them di the difference. Right, and even but, the dad and the son looked. I mean, almost identical. 
except one had a mustache and one had a black eye. Well, I mean, they're related. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I could that, tell the I could tell the mom was different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that uh, that didn't bother me because I didn't feel like anybody else was that important. Right. You know, I felt like the father and son were the two central characters and everybody they else was kind of irrelevant in some way. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say irrelevant because, you know, they're all kind of important to the story. Um, I guess in particular, Fats, um, which I would have liked to see more of that guy. Like, he seemed like he'd be kind of cool to hang out. You know, he was kind of uh, a jokester. I don't know. Yeah, but could you but could you tell after the incident in, uh, I forget whatever southern state it was, when he fell on the railroad rail? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was he medic? Was he like paralyzed after that? Spoiler alert! Or <laughs> right. was he fine? <laughs> that was that. That's the only thing from that last issue. I'm, I I don't know what happened to Fats when they knocked him onto the railroad. Sure. Well, he says I got it right here in front of me. He says Fats is alive, Buffalo, New York. His sister tends to him. I go and see him, but he doesn't know who I am. So I think he's saying he's he's pretty much gone he's alive but he's yeah, he's kind paralyzed of or something yeah, yeah. Mm. well it might not be from the accident he might just have like Alzheimer's yeah, well, yeah but he just he just got done talking about the accident so it has well to... I, well you know I guess that is the 60s so it's only 20 years later so he'd be in his 40s yeah oh yeah, I mean literally it's like two panels earlier you see him lying on the train track so I, I doubt he was you know, that, yeah, that's not a good fall. Well, you right. got to remember too, like they were they were doing experiments on the Tuskegee Airmen too, so mm-hmm. it might not even be related to the incident, right? It might be something from those experiments in World War II, uh, which I'm surprised that was not mentioned at all in this book. But yeah, I guess I maybe that was kind of same idea. Because yeah, Tuskegee. I mean that that name just brings that to mind, you know, right. Tuskegee the experimentation that was done on those troops it was now is that the is that the syphilis experiment yes Mm. yes which i don't know if syphilis will make you see now but i guess it can make you go crazy right no experience there i mean i'm just saying if, if i remember right like nietzsche had syphilis and he was crazy uh, that's why his philosophy books are kind of crazy. Anyways, wh- whatever. Uh, I'm su- I'm just surprised it wasn't touched upon. And yeah. I was actually I-, I will say this I I learned a lot from this book because I thought the Tuskegee Airmen were like the first black Air Force squadron. Um, but I guess like the 99th came before these guys, and that that's kind of briefly touched upon here. Um, unless I read that wrong, Jay, you the history guys to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I got the impression that like these weren't the Tuskegee Airmen until the 99th joined um, whatever they called it, the thir- the 30, 332, whatever it was, 302. <laughs> Don't get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. I was told there would be no math on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was not one of the rules. <laughs> not one of the rules. So overall, did you guys enjoy this book? I did. Yes. I'll just I'll, I'll so I'll go. Let me go first. That way, you guys can, we can, you know, you guys can chime in and so leave can, it a little bit optimistic. It. You can hate on it. <laughs> let me do that first to get it out of the way. 
But he, like the way I judge comics typically, like is I have my top tier, which is the stuff that I just kind of like devour and like I can't get enough of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything else is like just sort of good or bad. And for me, like the threshold between those two groups is kind of based on like how much I remember about what I read. So, for example, like, um, like if I read something in the rest of the week, I'm, I, you know, I keep thinking about it and, and I'm, I'm sort of mauling over it and maybe they even did something stupid in it, but you know, I don't care because I enjoyed it because I'm still processing it. And then sometimes I'll read a book or I'll read an issue and then the next week the ne- or the next month the other one comes out and I'm like, I can't even remember what the last one, what even happened in it. Mm-hmm. So here I am unbagging an issue and, um, going back through it trying to refresh my memory and this sort of at least after the other than the first and sixth issue it kind of felt the same it kind of felt like the latter group to me is that like i i i I had the general idea what was going on i just couldn't remember any details nothing really stood out to me until i got to that last issue which you know really hit hard jay uh, two things, you know. I mean, well, over the overall story, two particular scenes stood out, and they're both in those middle issues that uh, you guys keep talking about. First one of those is when he, when Reggie saw the first, I guess his real confrontation with with somebody dying, when he saw the uh, that Nazi pilot try to jump out of his plane. Climbs out of his plane. He's standing on the wing with his oh, arm yeah. half blown off. Yeah. He jumps, and his parachute's not secured correctly, and it just sort of flies off. Mm-hmm. And he's watching this guy fall to his death, and that that look of horror on his face that they show that close up, you know, just was a really compelling scene. And the other thing that really stood out, maybe, was when the um, the congressman made that fact finding check trip or whoever he was. And he was sort of baiting these pilots, and he asked them, and I don't remember exact quote, but he goes, are you really happy fighting against and killing people that have done you no harm in the service of people that have done you harm? Mm-hmm. Talking about you know your own government, your own people that have you know kept you suppressed and you know denied your civil rights for all these years, right? And it was just really leading question. He was, and he was obviously trying to do this to draw them out, and they refused to, you know, to bite on this. But that, I thought those were two really well-written scenes that really kind of brought some of this home, especially the, you know, the the civil rights struggles and and what they're put up with and what they were dealing with. Yeah. Dennis? Well, my big thing is, like, and I think I referred to it earlier, is like if there's a line or just a single panel that I I know I'm going to remember like five years from now, ten years from now, and it was the one where, you know, the father, you know, he's been telling this story. It's like, you know, I saw a death, I fought Nazis, I put up with all this stuff, but you don't really see any emotion in, until he comments about, like, you know, I fought the Nazis. And I never had any fear until I, you know, came back to my own country. Mm-hmm. And that scene when he finally breaks down, and it's like, you know, right. I'll remember, I'll remember that panel five years from now, ten years from now. 
Mm-hmm. And that makes the story for me. And, yeah. See, and, for- it, and, and that encapsulates, you know, and, and it, it kind of like does like current events. And right. I guess maybe, you know, maybe if it was like two years ago or two years from now, but, it, you know, with all the stuff going on, it just, it resonates. I, uh, yeah. I generally I generally try to avoid nonfiction stuff because I like to read comics to get away from real world stuff, and so that's kind of why this is not what I normally read. But I will say that this is the first book in a long time that made me want to go out and read more about the subject matter. Um, and you know, like obviously for the podcast, like you want to do some research, right? Like when we talked about Rough Riders, like I want to know who these characters are, right? Because some of them I, I might not know offhand. Um, but like a story like this is very different, right? Um, yeah. And and the fact that you can use fictional characters kind of slightly separates it from reality a little bit, while still giving you real world events which are meaningful and impactful. Um, and yeah. that's why I'm I'm really glad that I got to read this. Uh, I, I, it's probably not something I would normally pick up. Yeah. Like if if you were to do it like Dream Eagles two, you know, um, I would read it, but I might just like trade weight on it. You know. Yeah. Um, because for one, I do feel like this story read a lot better reading it. Like backwards, back reading <laughs> reading it backwards. Yes, no, like reading it, you know, back to back, like one through six. Yeah. Um, and there are books like that where they read much better in trade, and I feel like this is definitely one of those. Right. Um, but it's it's definitely a slower read because of the the narration style. Yeah. But it doesn't make it any worse either. So. Yeah, I have to agree with that because when I read it, I mean, I went and bought all six issues and mm-hmm. just straight through so it's just equivalent to the trade yeah it was mm-hmm. good fun times I indeed we can wrap it, it, this episode up yeah maybe no jazz who was that dennis ronnie ronnie's here <laughs> the spirit of ronnie he's <laughs> listening well i will say it was an it was an aspect of the war that you don't really hear about much in the history books, and that's kind of what Ennis brings out. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I will say, like, in, like in his, you know, his last arc in his war stories was talking about the English fighting the Germans in the English Channel, but they were in little like PT boats. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about that, mm-hmm. and it was a fascinating read. It was like a four, four issue arc or something like that, and I had no idea that the Germans and the and the English were like doing these little skirmishes between you know occupied France and England and these PT boats and all that and it's like yeah. it just you know brought up another aspect and you kind of start researching in it you know I think that's what he brings out and I think he goes for those as you know he he loves World War II um, his war stories series it's been mostly World War II he did do an arc on the Yom Kippur War or uh, the Seven Day War I don't know with Israel Mm-hmm. That was totally different from anything else, and I, I don't yeah. know. But most of it's been World War Two. But it's the aspects of it you don't hear in the history books, you don't see on the Discovery Channel specials or anything like that. And I think this is, 
you know, Dreaming Eagles is a part of that. And that's what made it so yeah. interesting. It's an aspect of the war you've never heard about. Yeah. Right. Because you always hear about the Tuskegee Airmen, but, you know, and that's one of the things I need to research, but it was like, this was the forerunner of them. It's like, these guys were out there doing fighting and all that while the Tuskegee were being trained, and once they come into war, they joined them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, and you, you, got, you sort of have to admire Garth Ennis for writing stuff like this, this real-world stuff, when, you know, the majority of the stuff I think we read is, like, saturated with sci-fi and, like, sentient alien armor and <laughs> Japan being exiled to space or zombies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's true. Well, I think I totally his credit, that. though, I mean, it, you know, typically a, a writer writes what he's passionate about. And what, right. What, and I think that, you know, this is something he is passionate about. Yeah, and he's, it, it seems like he's sort of elevated to this point where he can kind of just do whatever he wants and it doesn't really matter right it doesn't matter if that's what the you know majority of the market wants to read he's going to do it and a lot of people are going to like it right yeah i mean if he if he's making the living off this kind of story then why not especially if he loves it dude like it's pretty yeah. obvious that the amount of research it would take to write a book like this yeah like that's not something to take lightly right but I, I, I guess what I mean is, like, I couldn't see somebody, like, Jason Latour, for example, somebody like that said, I'm going to write this story. I don't know if he could pull it off. Sure. With the same, with the same interest. Sure. No, I agree. I mean, you have to have a, you know. Name. It has to be something you're, you're interested in. And, and you can't, I think as a writer, you can't let, you know, what's going to be marketable always influence what right. you're I was reading something here just to Gotta have a balance just earlier this week. And I can't remember who it was. It may have been Jeff Lemire. Somebody was asking about what he thinks about, how does he think about his audience when he's writing? And he said something like, I don't think about that. I can't because hmm. you know, you get, you get paralyzed if you do that yeah. type of thing. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's what I guess publishers like uh, aftershock is for. I mean, a valiant, you got to do what they want you to do at least to, to some extent, whereas you go to somewhere like Aftershock and you have a lot more creative freedom. Well, that's if it's the shared universe. Now, wasn't there this theory that Aftershock is kind of going to have a shared universe? I, I think Joe Pruitt pretty much said that's that's just total rumor, didn't he? Yeah, he was not clear, dude. I don't know. You don't think? I thought he piped in and said... Yeah, no, he made a comment about it, but from his answer, I couldn't quite tell one way or the other. Well, if if so, I'm not seeing it yet, just yeah. from the titles I read. I so. I'm not either. I well, I can't see it for Dreaming Eagles. I can, if I stretch, I can kind of see some of the other titles. I mean, well, where I mean, like the last issue of Rough Riders, I could see how that could lead into Black Eyed Kids. Right, it's all <laughs> aliens, dude. You know but what it, it is. But it's it's going to be shipwreck is going to be the tie-in to everything. No, but but has has any writer written more than one story, one title for them? Because like who who is really going to make well, all yeah. this? Well, uh, yeah. Isn't Marguerite doing uh, yeah. insects and animosity? She's the first one I think that's yeah, doing yeah. more than one title. Yeah. I mean, it would seem like it would probably have to be Joe to do something to tie it all together. I, I just have a well, hard time thinking. I guess it, I guess it depends. Is there a Aftershock Bible? 
that all the writers have to adhere to. Doesn't Look, seem he, like to me. Here's the thing. As long as the books are good, I don't care if they're right. cut in or not, right? Right. And they're good so far. Yeah, so far they've all been really good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't give a whit what. I mean, because I'm... Shared, shared universes are fine as far as they go, but they can get restrictive, too, right. in my opinion. Yeah, true. Very true. Yeah, hey. there's, there's pros and cons to both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have shared universes. We have, uh, and even we've got Ominous coming up, so yeah. that market is sort of tapped. Yeah, and Ominous is like 90s shared universe, too. Woo! I'm excited. It's, are you? Yeah, it's I am, still, actually. When I look at it, man, it still feels 90s to me. You, it, that's exactly why, dude. It feels like I'm nine years old again. I mean, if it's Bart Sears, it's early nineties. Yeah. Yep. Maybe one day they'll actually put out an issue. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> well, for going back to the nineties, that means Paul is out because he's yeah, Paul hates the nineties. Yeah, he's on board of hating the nineties. <laughs> Where is Paul? Who's Paul? <laughs> I'll see what I did there. Uh, hey, I don't know. Ronnie, who's he, he's hanging out? Who's Paul and where's Ronnie? Anyways, <laughs> uh, let's wrap this show up. Jack and I are on the Twitter machine. You can find him at Chuck Sutherland. That's his name. Did you say Chuck? Did I? It sounded like Chuck, yeah. Oh, I meant yeah, Jack. One burp and too many. That's possible. I've been drinking. It's, it's Jack Sutherland at Chuck Sutherland. <laughs> 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 Dude, there's a lot of wine in me right now, okay? Bear with me. He's at Jack Sutherland. How's that? And, he, and he's uh, Ferret Tim. <laughs> at- Dude, I'm, I'm going to change my Twitter handle to <laughs> Ferret Tim. No, you gotta I'm, do at, it. I'm at Geekvine. You can find me there. I'm always on Twitter. I love Twitter. Twitter's my favorite. Um, are you guys on the Twitter machine? I am, yes. I know you are. Dennis, are you... I am, but I probably haven't used it in two years. That's a shame. Everyone should use Twitter. Everyone should I'm use a, Twitter and Slack. Yeah, hey, I'm an oh, I use Slack, but I'm just an old fogey, and it's kind of like no. But I I'm gotcha. at yeah, but I'm at Oot Inger, U T E N G R. I should have known. <laughs> I'm at Comics Twit. Yeah, yours is the only one that's different. I think everyone <laughs> uses like the same name everywhere they go. Yeah, I don't like so using the same name. Like, Those people trace me down too easily. I like to try to... <laughs> the black-eyed kids might find you. Yes, they might. I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering when Martin's going to get a Snapchat. Dude, Snapchat. I tried to do that, and it was terrible. <laughs> I was like, what am I even doing? I don't want to take pictures of stuff and put stickers <laughs> on it. That's going to wrap up the show for tonight. Next week, we might actually review some new books. Very right. possible. But that's going to be for us tonight. Yep. Go read some Aftershock. And have a good night. Ciao.